today's scripture reading would be from Acts 8, 9 through 25. Simon the magician believes. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him, because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of, the, of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the land of on, of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, "Give me this power also, so that anything on whom I lay, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit." But Peter said to him, "May you, may your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You never you you have either part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent." Therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord, that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven. For I see that you are in, are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. This is the reading of God's word. I think it was the, uh, the era that I grew up in. I was born in 77, and everything that I enjoyed from sports to uh, community life to music had this thing present, and it was this component of tension. Like, like I, I loved music, and growing up, there was this rapper that I would follow called LL Cool J. And uh, some of y'all know him, some of y'all don't. It's okay. And, the, and LL Cool J got into this, this beef, this argument with this other rapper named Kumo D. And he, he made one of the greatest battle songs ever. And I still hear this kind of chant in my head, this, uh, it's, it, it, it's this uh, Mama's Gonna Knock You Out song that, that, that has stood the test of time when it comes to, to battle rap. And then I, I moved from, a, from just loving music to a guy who really, really enjoys sports. And so how did I know that this state next to my home state of Ohio would be a place I was supposed to hate because I loved Ohio State? And for some reason now, my friend who I went to school with 12, a, a sister who I graduated high school with, my, my close friend, she went to U of M and all of a sudden became like this person who I, I couldn't stand for some reason, right? Close friend. And now she's at Michigan and we're, we're, we're sending each other texts and laughing about sports. 
But, it, but that was music and that was sports. And, 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 and I began to realize through a number of different experiences that, that rivalries and tension exist because we identify deeply with culture. You know, for some reason, when I was at Ohio State, we used to think that, that Michigan people were different. We're all in college, privileged. <laughs> a lot of brothers from my hood never got a chance to go to college. Yet I thought that, that people at U of M were better or thought they were better. Or LL Cool J thought Kumo D, his hood wasn't a real hood like his hood was, so they went at it. And I remember once having a, a conversation with a person that loved me dearly, loved me dearly, sat me down inside of their home as a young boy. And they said, because I love you, I want you to know this. I want you to know that white people might be nice, they might be cool, but they can't be trusted. They have a different blood. They're different than us. So don't trust them. You see, this, 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 this thing of, of sports where it's like, rah, rah, we, we, we're against them, They're better, we're better than they are. It, 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 it paints a picture of a cultural identity and, and I experienced it in my home where we're now lies seep in that what I have in common in humanity with so many people that are of a different complexion than I actually prepared me with, with a filter to not trust people for a long time. Family, that, that cultural shift, that, that Yankees versus Boston, that old state, U, U of M, that black, white. What would it take to, to unify that? What would it take to see, to see somebody from Ohio State rooting for Michigan? <laughs> what would it take for, for, for a brother from the, from the black power movement to root for someone from the KKK? Many would say it would take an act of God. Today, as we get into the scriptures family, we're going to be looking at looking at what God says as he as he deals with two very distinct cultures. We'll see how he deals with them. Where if you need a Bible, we're going to be getting into the word today. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. Pastor Eric has some Bibles available. Uh, There's going to be a time of training. So if you have questions, you are welcome to actually ask, raise your hand, ask the question. I'll call on you. Uh, The only thing we ask is that your question contribute to the broader sense of learning for everyone. Uh, If you have a really finite, like, you know, small detail that, that you'd love the answer to, let's talk afterwards. But if you think it's something that'll bless the whole body, indeed, please ask, because this is a time of training and equipping. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, we are excited about you doing a work in this community. And Father, we are honored that you would choose us, that you would use us, Pray that everyone here, Lord, will realize that they have the opportunity to delight in your ways. Some have taken you up on that opportunity and are living life to the full, and some are not. Would you allow us to all recognize how beautiful you are and how there's no greater decision than a choice for you, Christ? Would you use this text to point us towards your ways? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
If you're in your, uh, have your Bibles, we're in chapter 8 of Acts, and uh, I've got to give you a little background, okay? Now, there's this town called Samaria, all right? And Samaria uh, has been a place that's been in tension with the Jews for, we can go back to 1000 B.C. You see, at one point, the, the ten tribes split up of Judea, uh, of Benjamin and uh, Judea, and uh, this was after Solomon's death. Now, what happened was the capital of Samaria was conquered by this guy named Sargon. And so what Sargon did, he would say, you know what? If you guys are unified, you'll try to fight against me. So every time I conquer a city, what I'm going to do is take the people from that city and I'm going to mix them together. I want them to intermingle. I want their cultures to mingle. I want their families to mingle. I want their lifestyles to mingle. And if they mingle, then no one group can rise up and try to overtake me. So that would be like if we in the D, we conquer Flint. You know what I'm saying? Then we conquer Warren and we say, Flint and Warren, y'all mix together. And then we, after, after that pot's made, we, say, we go conquer Pontiac. Now we throw Pontiac in the group. But what they became known as was, was kind of a mixed breed. I mean, not really a, a pure breed by any means. And now it's just this mixed group. What does it look like for that mixed group to try to do life with the people of Israel? See, the people of Israel are very different than that. We can trace our bloodline all the way back to Moses, bruh. You know, the people of Israel are, are pure, if you will. And so you have these two very distinct cultures now having a chance to intersect. And that's where Philip enters in on the scene. Some persecution has just happened. The apostles stay in Jerusalem and Philip goes into Samaria, this mixed breed place with the gospel. And we saw from last week, uh, Pastor Robinson teaching and uh, encouraging us in in. in And we we saw miracles taking place that were evidence of the gospel going forth. And so now we enter into a brother named Simon. Now in verse 9 it says, But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was someone great. So now we we have uh, previously Philip was casting out demons So we had some miracles going on there. But now we see another miracle worker. But his root, his his foundation, the power source for his miracles and his magic was sorcery. It was it was it was evil. It was demonic. We we don't know exactly where he got it from, but we know it wasn't God. But yet he's still able to perform. And the people had revered this man. He had been long standing in the community. They, they, they saw him as someone who was great, someone of power. He's now a, a person of influence. But notice who they attribute his signs and wonders to. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. So you, you've got this, this, this guy who is extremely influential. And I, I find it interesting that you can, he can be a, a man that 
performs these acts. And he never set the record straight. You know, people are saying, man, you, you kind of, you, what you do is in the name of God. That's pretty cool. And he's just like, You know, you get to be like, no, dude, what I do is sorcery, you know? No, <laughs> you want to say it was God? Cool. God, yeah, that's cool. He, he, he allows the accolade to, to, to follow him. But we'll see later, uh, uh, we'll see later where that power source is truly coming from. But our brother Philip, uh, and, and so he's, he's, he's a magician who people revere highly. Now we go to verse 12. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Now, who's, who's Philip? Philip is, Philip is a guy who's a lay minister. There is another Philip, Philip, Philip of Bethsaida. He's an apostle. This isn't that guy. This is a, 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 like a, a brother that's just passionate about the Lord, taking the gospel forth, extremely important. Extremely important. But he's not, um, he doesn't have the pedigree that you would even say Simon has. I mean, Simon has years of experience. He's got the notoriety of the town. He has uh, the influence of the town. And he has the ear of the people. Philip's just a a, 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 a guy who says, I'm, I'm going, after this persecution hits, I'm taking the gospel out. It, it reminds me, and, and, and I know you guys can't see it here, but there's different language here that's trying to set up like this, this battle of someone that seems great from the world's eyes and someone who doesn't seem great, but has God. Now let's see how it goes down. It, 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 uh, can you hit that next one for me, brother? With, um, it reminds me of these two people playing basketball. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell y'all, I love basketball. But I did not know who Kawhi Leonard was before this series. Both played basketball. And some of y'all are like, I don't know who either one of those brothers is. It's okay. It's all right. But, but the way things were set up, it was like, hey, LeBron is coming. He's hungry. They're going to get him. Finally, they finally got things working out. And Kawhi has to, he has to guard LeBron. Uh-oh. Fast forward, the MVP of the, of, of the entire playoff series ends up being Kawhi, the, the, the underdog. The underdog. Family, uh, I don't want to say, I don't know where these brothers are spiritually, and we can go back to the, to the text. But, but what I do want to say is, is you with God is more than enough. Is more than enough. God, you don't need a bunch of accolades. You don't need an amazing pedigree. You don't need uh, to know a thousand people. All you need to do is have a God who's amazing and has created all things. And that is enough. But we'll see how that plays out. Now, we see Philip coming on the scene, and while Simon does his magic tricks and his sorcery, what is, what is Philip, when he's preaching the good news, what are his two aims in, in, in the good news? He's preaching about the what? Verse 12, so y'all can say it too. The kingdom of God, and in the name of 
Jesus Christ. Very clear. Very clear his goals. Now, you might, you might not know me. I'm new on the scene. I'm this dude that traveled into town. I know this brother over here. That they got banners waving for this dude and everybody know him. But I got two things to make sure you're clear on. There's a kingdom greater than this one. There's a king that reigns over all things, has created all things. His name is Jesus. And that kingdom you want to be about. That kingdom you want to take hold to. That kingdom you want to give your life for. And so he's willing to tell people that. And so next we have uh, even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now, this this component begins to throw us off for a loop a little bit, right? Because I'm setting up the scene that it's like Philip against Simon, that it seems like Simon isn't the, the great guy. But it's clear here, Pastor, it says that he believed. It says he even got baptized. It says he was even amazed. I want to tell you guys a, a quick story about a, a close friend of mine that uh, that ended up going to school uh, at Harvard. And Harvard is a, a really a, um, uh, elite or uh, probably noted by many as one of the best colleges in the world, uh, at least in our nation. Now, my friend went there to study the word. He went there focused on being able to advance the gospel through his study of the Bible. And while he was in class, he realized, wow, like I have a class, an entering class, and he was getting his PhD. I have an entering class of about 30 people doing all types of different works on the Bible. He's like, cool. He began to realize that he was one of two, maybe three Christians in the whole program. Now, people were extremely serious about studying the Bible. They loved the Bible for its historicity, that it actually happened. They loved the Bible for understanding languages. They loved the Bible for its unique view into culture and society. Did they believe the words on the pages? Oh, they did. They did. And they were hoping to build their entire careers upon what this book says. But did they believe in the God that the book pointed to? Not at all. Not at all. How easily we can get sucked into into the symbol. How easily we can get drawn into the symbol. And this symbol is pointing us towards a beautiful and holy God who wants to love us richly. How easily we can we can take it instead of it being the word of God, we can say it's just a book. Just a good book. You see, if I asked all those people in his class, do they believe the Bible? They say, yeah. But if I asked, do they believe the Bible as the word of God? They think I was crazy. You see, Simon believed. Just as those guys believed, they went to college, they continued on with a PhD, spent hours, nights trying to fine-tune this skill. They went through the steps. Simon does the same. He believes. He went through the steps. He got baptized. 
But what was he in awe of? What was he amazed by? He's amazed by the miracles. He's amazed by the miracles. But, but I'll, 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 allow that, I'll allow that to continue to unpack as the text takes us there. He was in awe and found his belief in the power of the miracles and the signs. Verse 14. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized. Excuse me. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So, so you have in Jerusalem people getting saved. You have in Jerusalem people being empowered by the Holy Spirit, being filled. We see all these miracles taking place. We see the, the, the speaking of tongues takes place. And now the apostles here that, that these folks in the mixed breed area are actually coming to faith also. That's, that's not one you just say okay to. That's one where you're like, what? I need to go check this out. So, so Philip, who started off the lay minister, now he calls in the head honchos. And here comes the apostles, Peter and John. They come to, come to, to survey the scene. And when they come, verse 15 says, uh, they came down and they prayed that people might receive the Holy Spirit. So you might be wondering, well, well, pastor, it seems like when a person gets saved, the Holy Spirit fills them. Why does it not seem like that's the place here? Because they got saved, they got baptized. But then John and Peter come and he has to pray for the Holy Spirit. That doesn't seem like the right order, right? Well, I, I want to I tell you guys first that, that the Holy Spirit was in all of those people, Okay. The Holy Spirit is the one that allows us to even understand that we are sinful and need a holy God. Without the working of the Holy Spirit, we are not able to acknowledge that Christ is our king. And so some of us here today, even listening, you, you, you need the Holy Spirit to work within you. And I pray that you would desire that if you're realizing today, well, I don't, I don't necessarily think that Jesus is the king of kings. I mean, he seemed like a cool dude, sacrificed a lot, but I don't think I should give my whole life to him. I ask you to, to ask the Holy Spirit to give you an understanding because without the Holy Spirit, it doesn't happen. But what I do want you all to see is that, is that if you, you have these two distinct cultures, and while these cultures are extremely different, God wants to unify them. And so the reason why the Holy Spirit does not come upon those people is so that when the apostles who are charged with making sure that that the whole church is unified, the apostles are the, the ones that have the authority to say, yes, all yes, you guys are a part of the team, too. What the Holy Spirit does is it gives a stamp. Boom. I want you guys as apostles to see these people are just as valuable as the Jews. I want you guys to see that the same stamp with miracles, with signs and wonders that happened in Jerusalem is happening right here among the mixed breed. 
And you don't have to say, well, you heard from Rob and you heard from Dan and you heard. No, actually, apostles, when you arrive, you're going to see it all with your eyes. You're going to see it firsthand that these people I value just as much as the people in Jerusalem. So the, so the, the Holy Spirit coming down somewhat after these people get saved, isn't, isn't, it, it, it's, a, it's a presence, it's a unifying presence to point us all towards unity. And to remind us that the Holy Spirit works in ways that it chooses. We are not, it, it, it's not an equation. It's not like, hey, I get saved, Holy Spirit fills me, now I'm good. Like, the, the Spirit, while working inside us, chooses to manifest itself how and when it desires. All to fulfill the glory of God. All to point us towards Christ. So there's a couple of major themes in Acts. One, that that man can't control how the Holy Spirit operates, and that'll be flushed out as we continue to talk talk about Simon today. That the Holy Spirit uh, will do what what he believes best to accomplish the will of the Father. And so while, while in past times in Acts, the Holy Spirit fell upon people right there, this time it waits until the apostles arrive. And you might say, well, that, that's, that's, that's not consistent. Well, <laughs> we're dealing with God, okay? He doesn't have to fit into our, our unique finite equations that are, no, he says, I want everyone to see the beauty of unity, how, how it's going to take an act of God to bring these two cultures together. And guess what? I'm doing it. So the people who, the people who can't even define their own bloodline right now, see, they're in a new bloodline, my bloodline. And that the Holy Spirit unifies the body that God has set apart, that the Father has set apart and that Jesus died for. So I want to ask you guys a question. I want to ask you guys a question. What types of things will break the unity present in our church community? What, what type of things could be dangers to unity within this body? Crime? Pride. Pride. That could kill us. Why Pride. Lifting ourselves up rather than God. Amen. Gossip. Why gossip? Breaks down trust. Paints unfair pictures of one another. Yep. Yep. Jealousy. Yeah. Yeah. Us being envious of what others have or do. Lack of a clear mission, clear goal. So we all are continuing to reinvent what the church needs about, needs to be about, you know. Oh, we don't like discipleship. I'm, we really about this, you know, keep redefining and interpreting for ourselves what the vision should be. That's good. Isolation. Not, not delighting as, as a pastor encouraged us last week to, to do life together as we were getting encouraged from Hebrews uh, to continue and doing life together, but isolating and pulling back. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I'm sorry, David, did you ask? selfishness yeah yeah i think that lines up with that pride component of like putting ourselves before others quickly yeah and here's some here's some unique ways which which it goes forth because i i'm uh and we'll see later i'd be uh i'm curious i wish i could have been a fly on the wall during this whole situation 
Because Simon, to the people, looks like a really cool guy. You know, he's been, he's been raised up, elevated, does a lot of miracles, then jumps in line with everybody else. Yeah, I believe. Gets baptized, you know. So he seems like, hey, he's one of us. He's down. Here's a few things that I thought were, were ways that could, could, in addition to what you guys have shared, could eat away at our unity. When we are willing to serve more than digging from God's well. We'll, we'll, we'll be quick to care for people, quick to do stuff, but not be quick to say, Lord, I, I got to be planted in you. It'll, it'll, it, it seems subtle, but it'll tear away at the fabric of the church because we'll become a church that serves instead of a church that submits. Reading more about God's word than reading God's word. It's subtle. It's subtle. It seems all good. Just like Simon, it seems cool. That brother knows every book. J.I. Packer all the way down to Tony Evans. He's got it. You know? But man. And I trust me, I, I, I enjoy good books. I'm not against books at all. But those books are supposed to point me towards the real source, which is God. And I got to know what God says, because God's word is the only word that truly has a, a cleansing, a refreshing power. Using your funds to advance personal interests and giving to the church out of those remains. Just that, that this idea of, of our finances uh, not being a part of our worship, but that our life is where our finances are to focus. And then, God, I, I'll hook you up when I'm done living. You know, it, it's subtle because we all have bills. We all have desires. We all have interests. And they do take money. But also, your church has a vision. And that, that takes funds at times, too. And so do we say, Lord, like, I want, I, want to be, I want to be a good steward. Help me not to put my own, as my brother said, selfish or, pers- or prideful desires before this local body, before this community. Subtle, but can break away at our unity. So now in verse 18, we continue on. And we're reminded that even though those were things that that have a a, a subtle pull towards breaking us from unity, that Jesus has has died and and risen so that we would be unified. So I'm bringing up issues today, Lord. I'm bringing up issues today, y'all, so we can say, yeah, let that not be us. You know, let us let us let us not be. Let us not have some of those traits that can contribute towards not being unified. Let us not gossip. And if we can be honest, I'm not, I'm not, we all are tempted by those things, you know? We're all tempted to be prideful, all tempted to be, um, to isolate. But Lord, let us, let us lean in and be encouraged by your spirit, which, which calls us to do life together. Verse nine, verse 18. Now, when Simon saw that the spirit was given through the laying on of uh, through the laying on of the apostles hands, he offered them money. Now, we, we don't know exactly what Simon saw. 
He might have saw them speaking in tongues, which was most likely what it was. Um, But we know it wasn't like he saw demons leaving because there's no way a person becomes saved. And then God says, but you need to keep that demon in you till the apostles come. Like, it didn't work out like that. I mean, but, but we're pretty sure he's probably speaking in tongues. And when he saw it, he said, boom, that's what I want. I know, I know I've got some great powers, but I can't, I can't do that. That right there, I, I, I want the power to be able to do that. So he goes to what he knows best. Using money. Using funds. Using, using one of the things that he lives for. And he thinks, yeah, yeah, Peter. I know you like me, brother. You make them things happen. You, you make those signs pop off. I do the same thing. I could be bought for a price. I know you can. What's your price? <laughs> How much? Give me this power also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Does that, does that sound like it's his di- desire for people to submit to a new kingdom? That sound like he wants to touch people so that they may be able to say, in the name of Jesus, I have a new life. Sounds to me like he wants to touch people and they just start breakdancing and being like, thank you. You know, like he wants them to get the Holy Spirit, but not the Holy Spirit the Bible speaks of. He wants them to have the Holy Spirit that points back to him. But Peter said to him, but Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. Obtain, obtain. It's like, it's like I through my own effort. I can go out and get what I desire. You see that you, you don't see that the Holy Spirit coming here, brother, is a gift, <laughs> You can't go get this. You can't go out of your own strength and your own will. Go, go make the spirit come to you. You can't buy him. See, in, in his mind, he's not realizing the Holy Spirit is God. He's seeing the Holy Spirit as an it. Something that can be purchased and used for his own means. You have, need, you have neither part nor a lot in this matter for your heart is not right before God he's 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 uh so what is the matter the matter is being saved <clears throat> excuse me the matter is <clears throat> the matter is being saved excuse me so he's saying hey you you went through the actions you said the stuff, but you, you don't, you're not even saved a little bit. You didn't even get your pinky toe in salvation. Why? Because, you're, because of your heart. Your heart's not right before God. So while you went through the motions, you went through the traditions, your heart is still all about yourself. And I got, I got to pause here because I need to, I need to take us from a historical view and then bring us to present day, okay? So there's a historical component where we, we see this continue to play out. There's this brother named John Tinsel, 
And John Tinsel was known in the Catholic faith for being able to, uh, to get a large amount of indulgences. And indulgences, is a, that's a whole sermon in and of itself. But it's basically uh, a amount of money that I can pay so that if, if my family can avoid a temporary punishment. Okay? So there was a time where you could pay and then your family who had died would not receive punishment while in this temporary uh, holding place, if you will. And so this guy named John Tinsel, uh, who you, you'll find was in extreme uh, beef or arguments or tension with Martin Luther, um, and you can imagine why, uh, this brother had this saying, and his saying was this, as soon as the gold in the casket rings, the rescue soul to heaven springs. Let me say that again so you can hear how jacked it up it is. As soon as the gold in the casket rings, so drop your money in the basket. It's going, it's going to do a little ching ching action. The rescued soul, the rescued soul to heaven springs. So now you just helped out your family member. And it was making the Catholic faith money hands over fists. Okay. That, that was a historical view of, 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 a, of a Simon-type heart, of, of, a, of a religious believer saying, I want to use the, the, uh, the means of God for financial, for financial advancement. Okay, so we're going to fast forward a little bit. Because I, I want to show you guys a clip because it still happens today. It's going on today. Today, there are people that still want to pray on you. That want to pray on us. And I, and I want to show you guys a quick clip. Not because I want you to uh, see this as an act of worship. I actually want to show you this to protect you. So that if you are ever drawn to the symbol more than you are to the God who gives it. Yeah, there, I believe God uses things to perform miracles. Okay? I believe he uses people to perform miracles. We might leave in this... this I, Miracles happen in all types of ways, but not in the way this brother's about to describe. Can we cue that up for me? Not the air, but I have already instructed the phone prayer warriors to stay after hours. So when you go to the phone, when you dial that number, sow your $1,000 seed. There's a business owner watching you. Sir, you're going to sow this on behalf of your business, and God's going to turn your business around. There's a couple watching you right now. You're going to sow this on behalf of your home, and God is going to give you a miracle home in the name of Jesus. Go to the phone and sow that seed for triple favor right now. There are 40 watching. Do not delay this. You say, Todd... Are you telling me that I can buy a miracle? You couldn't buy a miracle with a million dollars, but you can plant a seed in faith by an instruction of the man of God, and you can get a harvest. Sow your seed right now. When you sow it, believe God for triple favor. Did that say chili pepper seed, y'all? You see how seductive it is? You see how... Uh, uh, he almost seemed like, like he was solid in the faith, you know? You can't buy the miracle, but you can plant a seed. Let me, let me change the name on this thing. Let me repackage it, you know? Let me, let, me, let me show you how you can have what you've always wanted through just sowing. 
family, why, why do I show that? Because Simon was tempted to, through financial means, try to, try to, try to take control over using the Holy Spirit. There are people that try to pray upon us for that same reason today. And I want you guys to be equipped to more accurately speak against, and even from this scripture, speak against aspects of prosperity theology. Speak against things that try to control the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit can't be controlled. Not by, (laughs) definitely not by us. But even in the midst of this, 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 how do I say, foolish decision, these uh, selfish means, there's still an opportunity for repentance. Notice, notice, what, notice what Peter says to him. You know, he, he told you, man, you can't obtain it. You, you're not even partially saved. Your heart is not right before God. I mean, wait a minute. I, I, so, okay, I might get in trouble. I know when we evangelize y'all, there's this, this, this belief that if we are kinder or more gracious or um, more sensitive People will know our love, and through our love, they will want to know Christ. And I believe that, actually. But I don't believe that's the only measure. And some of us say that is the way to share the faith. Could you imagine saying to a person in their eyes, your heart's not right before God? I, I think if, if y'all went with me and I was talking to somebody on the street and I said, man, I know we've been talking, but dude, your heart's just not right before God. You guys would, would beat me up <laughs> and help the person. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because, because too often we view it as, as we're coming down on people. We're, we're judging people. My question is, when is rebuke appropriate? That's what Peter's saying. Peter's saying, look, I I see the cards laid out. I see it right here. I'm not guessing. You just tried to try to ask me to buy the Holy Spirit. That's evidence, bro. It's pretty clear. You're not the dude that you said you was when you probably got the baptism. You know what? You got some different meanings. I need to call this out. People don't need us to coddle them. They don't need more cookies all the time. And then, I mean, I don't want to belittle our, our grace. We, we are gracious people. Be that. But when the evidence is before you, be courageous. Let us, let us be people who, for the sake of that person, articulate a clear understanding of the faith. That there's another kingdom that you need to live for. And that kingdom is founded on Jesus Christ. And anything else, bruh, is a heart that just ain't right. It's a heart that's just not right. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Josh says, hey, there is a, uh, uh, a norm within evangelism that's like, hey, we go out, we want to care for people, and we don't want to assume we know their spiritual position. So if we don't assume then when do we say your heart's not right before God? Like, what's the right response that would prompt me to rebuke a person? Well, 
first off, I want to say, I think, I think that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is the one that gave, gave him the unction to continue to go in this matter and be blunt and bold. I'm going to give you an example, but the reason why I start there is, is you guys have, with me, been in situations where something happens, you have an opportunity to say something, and you don't because you're scared, not because it's the wrong thing to say. You with me? And you get home, and you're like, man, I should have said, da, 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 da. why didn't I say, da, 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 da. he said it perfectly, and I didn't say anything back because I didn't want to be seen this way, or I didn't want to seem da, 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 da. I think if we're willing to do what the Holy Spirit says, which sometimes is shut up, Leon, and get a brother the cookies and give him a hug and walk away, sometimes I didn't do that. Sometimes it's, man, I know you've been talking about your mom and how sick she is, but brother, I just, I, I think you've been telling me a lot of lies. And I've heard these stories 10 times, and they continue in the same cycle, and I think you're trying to fool me. I want to be honest before you, ma'am, but if you continue in this way, brother, I think it communicates your lack of honesty and your real desire not to grow in Christ. So tell me where we going to go. I just I, I know personally I've been in situations where the spirit told me, told me to say bop, 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 and I just chose not to. And I want to say if we I think if we are a people who lean on to what the Spirit's telling us to do in those situations, lights out. We've been faithful. And that doesn't mean that a person necessarily turns and jumps. Like sometimes you rebuke a person and you get dogged. (laughs) It doesn't mean that that, that, that a person responds in a way that's like, oh, you're right. Now let me come to Christ. I pray so, but Brother Matthew... Amen. Amen. Go for it. Yep. Amen. Amen. Matthew was just saying that that don't get so caught up on your words. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that allows even your best words to have an effect. So maybe you might feel like you got it wrong when you said it. The Lord can still use it. Amen. Good word, Elder. And so in in verse 18. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, Verse 22. He offers them the opportunity to repent. He says, repent. Therefore, this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven. Uh, the, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. You, st- you still have an opportunity to repent. The, the wickedness that, that would try to control the Holy Spirit, bro, you can apologize. And not simply apologize and say, my bad, but actually turn and say, I don't, wanna, I don't want to partake in that sin ever again. I now want to choose Christ, and I will choose him forevermore. That's repentance. That's, that's uh, an acknowledgement of the wrong and saying, I want to turn towards Christ and choose him every time I have an opportunity to commit that wrong again. The, do, do you think... Do you think Simon did that? 
Do you think that's what he said? Check the next verses. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And we have, um, I can't remember which slides I gave. Could you bring up the slides from uh, Luke and from Matthew for me? Because we see, uh, we see Simon isn't new to the scene in the sense of, of hearts that aren't totally in, right? Or hearts that want to use God uh, for what he does instead of who he is. I mean, we get that picture of Pharaoh, right? Pharaoh says, all right, Moses, like, <laughs> I believe in this God. I believe in him enough to have you go ask him to take these toads out of here. I believe in you enough to have him pull these plagues back. I don't believe in a sense where I want to go worship him. But I believe in him enough to have him do what I desire. Jesus himself said to the Pharisees in Luke, he says, the Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. It would have been interesting to be in the community during that time. You know how, 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 how Peter is talking directly to Simon and Simon tries to, hey man, look, how much you want for that? But other people may not have heard that. Other people may not have been, been present to, to see him offer money. So Philip may have came across as this dude as just judging and, and unkind as he points out clearly, brother, this is not an issue of money. This is not an issue of control. This is an issue of the heart. And you have a chance to rid your heart of wickedness through repentance. And so Simon's response is, pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. We had a, I was, I was with uh, Garrett. We went to um, this event. And as we were about to walk in the event, this guy is coming outside. And he seems like he's been asking for money or something like that. And so we say, hey, man, well, look, uh, and he doesn't really talk to us much before he gets to us, but he looks like he had just came out of the location asking for money. So I'm like, well, hey, man, look, why don't you come inside with us? Because we're going to a gospel-centered event. Like, we want to we wanna connect with you, talk with you. Let's start there. He says, no, why don't we just pray? Just pray for me that when the time is right, God will do his thing. Not right now, not right now, but when the time is right. See, see, and we were, we were trying to say to him, now's the time, brother. <laughs> don't, don't, you want me to pray for you for later when you get to enjoy Christ? You can enjoy Christ right now, you know? And he just kept telling, nope, 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 now I'm not, this is the wrong time for me, man. Later. See, what, what, what Philip, excuse me, what Peter is saying to Simon is you repent. You go before God and allow God to take this wickedness out of your heart. You do it. And what did he say? No, actually, instead of me being the one responsible, me stepping up to the plate, actually, why don't you pray for me? I know you're asking me to repent, but instead of that, 
why don't you intercede for me? Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you said may come upon me. Was was his prayer for a, a transformed heart? Was his prayer for uh, a, a new life in Christ? Was his prayer for understanding of this kingdom that had been preached to him and he now wants to, to submit to, to the rule and reign of Jesus Christ? No. His prayer was, was that, he, that he wouldn't receive the punishment, that he wouldn't receive, that he wouldn't perish. See, we, we, we live in a, in a community we live in a community family where there's a lot of Simons, okay? There's a lot of people who have gone through the, the traditions. Might have been raised in church. Might have, might have been baptized. Might have, might have been a nice person who a lot of people revere and respect highly. But still don't have a heart for Christ. So what does it look like for us to do we join in with everyone else and continue to say, hey, man, you're a nice guy. You just need to come to church. Church won't get it for that person. Because they'll go to church all day. What do we say? Just read another book about Jesus. The book won't get it for that person. They enjoy knowledge. Let's go have another talk. Even talking won't get it. They enjoy conversation. They like being with you. You make good cookies. You know, but at some point we got to cut to the heart of the matter. And I'm saying, family, we see a variety of 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 ways that God uses people. We saw Stephen full of grace, full of faith, loving people. Be that. Let us all be that. We get a picture of Peter here, though. Rebuking. And let us see both as means of love to the same end. A holy God that wants to welcome a person into a real relationship with him. Let's not elevate one over the other. But see, but see both as a part of the same package of tools that we have to see people understand who Christ is. So family, there's three things that, I, that I'd love for us to take away from, from, from our verses today. That the Holy Spirit desires unity among his church. Okay? That, that as he fell and he showed the apostles that, man, these folks who seem so different from you guys are the same folks I have died from. They are now your brothers. They are one with you in Christ. Philip pointed towards Christ and his kingdom and his evangelism, which led towards rebuke and an invitation to repentance. How often do we take the Philip approach? I pray that we won't say never. And repentance is the fruit of a heart for God. Do you view it as a tool of restoration? Or do you review asking someone to repent uh, as a means of condemnation or judgment? If so, let us renew our minds. Let us, let us be reminded in the beauty of, of God's gospel, which has called us all to repent and choose him as he's chosen us. Will you pray with me, family?
Lord, we are so thankful that you've called us to yourself and that you've allowed your spirit to work within us so that our eyes may be open and we can see a holy God. I pray for someone here today, for people here today that are not seeing you as king of all. That, Lord, they would see that you you died to unify us all and you've allowed the Holy Spirit to continue to maintain that unity of your people. Would you allow a person who doesn't believe in you today to be challenged with the, the reality of your saving grace? And would you encourage all of us to be willing to be used by you? Whether that's in a, in a manner of a manner of rebuke or a manner of encouraging someone to repentance. It's in your holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen.